Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. So we're now in Revelation 8. And before we go there, let's go to God in prayer. Father, I thank you for this day and I thank you for taking care of us. I praise you for loving me and for caring about me. I know at times, Lord, I must I am taxing every every single day. And Lord, I know that you love me despite my shortcomings, my failings, and my frailty, my weakness. And Lord, I just praise you for not giving up on me and for being with me. And I lift up this time as we read. And I just pray that you would open my heart, open my mind, and help me to understand what it means, what you're trying to tell us here in Revelation 8. I just pray, Father, that you would be the one who guides us through this, that you, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us, that you would share your wisdom and understanding, and that we would bring you honor and glory. And I just pray most of all that we would be able to figure out how to love you more, love you with all of our being, so we can love others as ourselves. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So chapter 8 is kind of the beginning of a lot of additional events. Um, And I told you I wasn't going to look for all the symbolism and whatnot. And I just want to share with you a little bit of what happens when, when we do start trying to figure things out. When we start trying to apply human rationale to things. And so in chapter, in verse 7... It talks about a third of this. This is a commentary from John MacArthur, and it's specifically around Revelations. Uh, the book is, and it talks about how hail and you know the the, the verse says in verse seven about hot, hail and fire followed, mingled with blood. So, this is man trying to apply what we understand to a possible God event. And he writes, this may be described, this may describe volcanic eruptions that could certainly result from the earthquake in verse 5. The steam and water thrown into the sky by such eruptions could easily condense into hail and fall to earth, along with the fiery lava. Dust and gases may, be, may so contaminate follow, falling water that it appears blood red. Then it says, um, then it talks about verse 8 where it says, and the second angel sounded and something like a great mountain burning with fire was, was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood. He writes, probably a huge meteor or asteroid surrounded by gas that will ignite as it enters Earth's atmospheres. Its impact will create a tidal wave destroying one third of the world's ships. And what I've taken away from Revelation is so often when John is describing something, he uses the word like. It's like this. It's like that. Because he doesn't have any other descriptor that he can use because these are heavenly events. He doesn't know what they are. He's just trying to bring some he's just trying to bring some sort of a relatability to it. But we have no clues to what it's gonna be like, what God's gonna use, and that's because he's God and we're not, and he knows what he's going to do. But it's what happens when 
we try to start, you know, figuring out God's plan. And that's why I didn't really want to work, you know, focus on these things within the, within this, uh, within this book, because there's so many things that we try to add our insights to. And so often we just fail because we can't understand the heavens, the, you know, the throne of God and his thoughts. So anyways, with that, let's go to verse one in chapter eight. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. So the seventh seal is the final seal. He's already released six of them. And it was so awful or awe-inspiring that heaven went quiet. Heaven went quiet for a half an hour for a period of time. Were, Were they in awe? Were they in awe and anticipation? Were they in were they mourning what was about to happen you don't know but it caused the heavens to be quiet it caused all of the angels all of the creatures that normally are flying and praising god for them all to be quiet because here comes the remaining the out of this out of this seal all of the final um all of the final tribulations are released. Verse 2. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel, who had a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people. On the golden altar in front of the throne. And see, this is what Charles Spurgeon focuses on, are the prayers of God's people. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of God's people, went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. The first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and it was, it was hurled down on the earth. A third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. The second angel sounded his trumpet, and something like a huge mountain, all ablaze, was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea was turned into blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star, blazing like a torch, fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters that had been bitter. Basically, Wormwood was a type of poison. It was a type of wood, obviously, but that it was, I believe, poisonous, hence causing the waters to be be bitter and people dying from it. Verse 12, the fourth angel sounded his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and a third of the stars, so that a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light and also a third of the night. As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair call out in a loud voice, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blast about to be sounded by the other three angels so it wasn't as bad i mean you currently had the hail and fire and blood 
being thrown on the earth. Then you had the massive mountain, something like a mountain, on fire, destroying the sea. And then you have this, a blazing star like a torch flying from the heavens so that the waters are poisoned. And then finally, stars and sun are messed up too. That all seems pretty horrific. But the thing about that is there's more to come and it's worse according to this creature who's flying, the eagle who's flying in midair. So it's not going to be a good time to be there. It's better to be with God on in heaven watching from a distance. The other thing that's interesting is there's no time frames for this. There's no timing. But what does seem to be indicated is once this all starts, it happens pretty quick. There's only one time frame mentioned in the trumpets and the, and the bowls. And that's for five months where something happens. I believe it's the plague of the locust or something along those lines. Um, they last, it lasts for five months, yeah. That's the only time that there's something there that gives a definitive time. The rest of it is just, it's without time. There is no defined period. And it will culminate at the end where people are asking for the, he- for the mountains to crush them. It's going to be terrible for them. Because they continue to fight against God. They continue to rebel. They refuse to turn to him. And it would all end for a person if they would just submit. And I've been praying a lot. I've actually started something kind of, you know, it's a fad. It seems like everyone's doing it, but it actually has a benefit. I've been doing cold plunges and I'm staying in about 10 or 12 minutes now. And what I find is that I become very focused. Naturally, when you're freezing, you become very focused. And what I've been doing is praying. And I've been praying through these cold plunges for 10 plus minutes. And as I pray... My heart keeps going and being touched by God. And one of the things that he keeps, that was really impressed on me the other day and then today is all those people who are going to suffer because they never knew me, who rebelled and refused, or who didn't have someone tell them. And he kept impressing on me. What about your friends? What about your coworkers? Are you talking to them? Are you even praying for them? on a daily basis. And that's what really got my heart was, are you praying for your boss? Are you praying for your friends? Are you praying for your neighbors to get to know God, to have the right people put in, in their path? And maybe it's me or maybe it's you, but to be put in their path, to hear about his love and who he is, what's going to happen is going to happen. But can we tell our friends, can we tell people and help them not experience it? Because it's going to be bad. But God will be with us just as he's with us when we talk to them. And that's what he keeps impressing on my heart. Pray for the people around you. Pray and pray some more. Because as Spurgeon talks about and he writes about the prayers of the saints. He talks about how Christ is most likely that angel. And Christ was fully man. He's fully God. He is our advocate. 
and prior to all of the openings or the blowing of the trumpets and the, the bowls being emptied, the prayers of the, of the church go up to God and he is our advocate. What if those prayers included prayers for salvation for our friends, for our friends to know him? Would they be heard in that event? I believe they would. doesn't mean they'll be saved. They still have to do it themselves, but they still have to accept and turn to God. But what if, our, what if we're praying and the great intercessor, Jesus, is talking to God and saying, hey, here's some more. Here's some more prayers for this person or these people. I don't know. He's just, he's just impressing it on my heart to pray. He impressed it on my heart not to try to interpret the symbols and try to figure out if that fiery, that thing like a fiery mountain, if it's a meteor, if it's, I've heard also things like it's a nuclear bomb, to not interpret those things. And he's, it's even being impressed on me that you can't protect yourself you going out and buying more guns, more bullets, whatever, isn't necessarily the answer. So anyways, with all of that said, let's go back to God in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for working on my heart. Thank you for talking to me. And I'm grateful for all that you've done. I just lift up our families. I lift up our friends. And I lift up our nation to you, Lord. And I just pray that I would do what I need to do to bring you glory that I would do what I need to do to bring help people find you and to grow closer with you. I just pray for you to be the one that I live for and that my life would please you. It's in Jesus name. I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at just a guy and his journey back to God. I hope you have a great day.